Hello, you are listening to Quality Time, a podcast designed to support Nebraskan providers through their journey with Step Up to Quality. I am your host, Colleen Schmidt. Get ready to listen as we prepare to elevate each other as we step up to quality. Welcome back, listeners. Today is a very special podcast. Today on the podcast, we are speaking with the one, the only, Dr. Jean. Dr. Jean Feldman's noteworthy educational career has spanned more than 50 years. 50 years she has served as a classroom teacher, an instructor of adults, an author, and a consultant. Dr. Jean inspires teachers across the country with her engaging songs and creative activities that help make teaching and learning fun. Jean, I am so thankful and thrilled to have you here. Thank you for thank you, thank you for agreeing to join us. This is a gift to our workforce for sure. So, well, so I, I, I am honored that you wanted to t- uh, interview me. So, thank you. Uh, and you've had an amazing career. When we talk about fifty years, tell me again, what year did you start teaching in a classroom? I, I started teaching in 1969. Oh, my goodness. I actually, I went to kindergarten in the early 50s, and it was the best year of my life, and I decided I never wanted to grow up, and the only way I could do that was to be a kindergarten teacher, so that's how it happened. Oh, I love that, and you've had such an amazing career, so... We like to talk a lot on this podcast about our why and kind of this, it's almost sometimes in education, especially in early childhood education, like this siren call almost that many of us here talk to our listeners a little bit about your story. Tell us about your why and why after 50 years, do you continue to do what you do? Well, um, my father was a teacher. In fact, my father taught in a one-room schoolhouse, and that's how he met my mother. He taught my mother's brother. And so I think a lot of people grow up in families where they want their children to be doctors or lawyers and make a lot of money. And in my family, education was the top priority. In fact, my daughter is also an educator. And um, so when I went to school, you know, kindergarten really was a child's garden. It was just the, the happiest, most beautiful place in the world. We held hands, we sang, we danced, we painted. Oh, for snack, we had Kool-Aid and cookies. Can you imagine? You go to jail for that now. And um, and it was such a happy time. And so when, when I went to college, I jokingly tell people this story. I went into the big gymnasium. That's what you did at the University of Georgia. And you told them what you wanted wanted to major in, and then they would send you down the correct path. So every girl in front of me said EE, and I had no idea what EE meant, but I was a freshman and scared to death. So when it was my turn, they said, what do you want to major in? And I said, EE, well, come to find out that was early education. And that, that's that's actually a joke, but um, <laughs> kind of true. But you know what? They didn't have early childhood back in mm-hmm. 1965 when I went to college. You could major in child development the School of Home Economics. Early childhood really came into being in the 
60s, later 60s and 70s with Johnson and uh, Head Start and and all of the women going back to work when they needed Mm -hmm. their their children. And so this whole early childhood field opened up. And in fact, um, I I was uh, spent my early years in Illinois and then we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And when I started teaching, they didn't have kindergarten in Georgia. Mm And so I got a job in second grade and um, the second graders didn't know what they needed to know. So I figured I better go down to first grade and straighten them out. So I went down and taught first grade. And finally, when they had kindergarten, um, I went down to kindergarten. Now, back when I started teaching, you got your kids and you shut your door and you just did your thing. And I remember singing, you know, sorority songs. I taught my first and second graders my sorority songs and and different camp songs and things like that. Um, We used to sing a lot more and um and most of you were so much well you're all younger than me but um we didn't have cds and and iphones and recorded music and videos we sang without music without instrumentals at church at camp in school at scouts in the car on trips we just sang and um, that was just such a, a major part of my life that when I went into the classroom, I just sang all my good old songs. I've been working on the railroad and all those traditional songs with my kids. And I would patty cake with them and I would jump rope with them and um, just really got on their level. But I, I remember one time my daughter came to visit and she was, you know, and fourth grade or something. She had a day off and my school didn't. So she came with me and I was, you know, looking at a child and holding their hands and looking in their eyes and talking to them. And my daughter looked at me and she said, you really listen to them, don't you? And I said, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I said, don't your teachers listen to you? And she said, no, they just say, "Uh uh-huh, and keep doing what they're doing. And so that brings the point, you know, it's that relationship and there's not a computer in the world or an iPad in the world that can replace just getting down on the children's eye level and looking them in the eyes and telling them, I like you, there's no doubt about it. I like you, there's no doubt about it. I like you, there's no doubt about it. You are my good friend. And as much as the world keeps changing, children are the same. And so many people have forgotten that. They want to play. They want to be loved. They want to feel good about themselves. They want that. I mean, that's the way kids are. And um, so it used to be so much more fun to be a teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> we would just shut our door and do all of these silly things. But um, another thing I tell teachers now, too, is um, children like plain vanilla. And I, I go on Facebook. I don't make comments, but I just look around. And I, I think they, they're overdoing it with the sprinkles and the icing and the sugar. <laughs> Kids are happy with plain vanilla. Just give them Play-Doh, you know? You don't have to add all this stuff to it. Just just give them the simple things. And and wooden blocks, oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm in the biggest believer in wooden blocks. If I could have two things in a kindergarten classroom, I would ask for wooden blocks and books. That's that's just what it takes. And I, it bothers me that so many of the decisions that I used to be able to make as a teacher – have been taken away from teachers. You will do this and this at this time, and you will do this and this and this time, and you will do this and this and this time. And 
you know, we all have different personalities and children do too. And sometimes they get tired and you just need to say, let's put it away and go outside and run around Yeah, and um, just, you know, give teachers some more flexibility and let them bring out their own individual personality with the, with the children, because that that's what children want. They want those connections with you and they, they want to feel part of the group. And that's to me, one of the most beautiful things about music. It's a community community building thing and all children can be successful one person asked me one time what do you do with kids who don't sing well I just ignore them <laughs> and I have so much fun you don't know why kids aren't I think we that's one of those things we overreact to some of these little negative things that are happening in the classroom and um, if you're going to be a teacher you've got to be a part actor or actress and you go in there and you put a smile on your face and you do your job. And I was lucky because my parents didn't put up with junk. You know, my mother, if I, I don't feel good, I don't want to go to school. My mother used to say, the world is run by people with headaches and stomach aches and back aches. And get on the bus and go do your job. And, um, you know, that's so true that we have to, you have to fake it till you feel it. And um, it, it's because of the children. For some kids, being with you is the best thing that happens to them. And when you think about where some of these children are coming from and mm -hmm. stress and anxiety and what's going on in their home and, you know, parents, nobody wants to be a bad parent, but some of these people just have such heavy loads and, and, and problems, physical, emotional, financial, they, they can't always, make their child come first and do what's best for their ch children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I have an opportunity to do that. And there again, that's one of the problems I have with pushing skills and with pushing testing. We are forgetting the whole child. When I entered uh, early childhood, the focus was on the whole child, socially, emotionally, physically, intellectually. And, um, I, and, and, and what's the point? Do, do we think kids are going to be bigger, better, smarter in the long run if we do all this testing? What's the point? I never had to do tests when I started teaching, but I could have told you where every child in my room was. Mm -hmm. in fact, somebody asked me recently, how did you teach penmanship in kindergarten? I said, we didn't teach penmanship in kindergarten. We played in the sandbox and we drew lines and we played with Play-Doh and we painted. We, we didn't do that. And it's just such a rush. And I think I think at the end of the day, this is what bothers me. I think at the end of the day, um, it's almost like giving children steroids. Yes, they might have better academic skills and they might read faster and they might do better on a test. But are they going to be better human beings? Are they going to be compassionate? When you ask employers what skills they're looking for, they're mm -hmm. looking for people who know how to get along with others, who have good communication skills, who know how to find and use resources. That's what we did in kindergarten with open centers and open-ended materials and hands-on activities. And um, so I, I know one thing, you know, you wanted to ask me too about singing. Some teachers say, I can't sing. Y'all, I can't sing either. I know I can't sing. People have listened to me before. Real true musicians have listened and said, that lady can't sing. I never let people introduce me as a musician. I always say, I'm just a teacher who likes to sing. In fact, I couldn't even get into the community chorus where I live because I can't read music. I just, but I am a joyful singer. 
And so I, I just was always saying, I remember being at a county meeting one time and um, some teachers walked by me and one of them pointed at me and she said, that's the teacher who sings all the time. Well, you know, instead of saying, put your name on your paper, I said, put your name on your paper. <laughs> I mean, I would just sing to them and I would just sing to them what I wanted them to do and they would respond. And so I started doing workshops and um I I didn't think I was doing anything different than anybody else, but um, somebody saw me one time and, you know, my first workshop was around three teachers at nap time, just sharing ideas. And it just kind of grew. And um, I am a Christian and I believe that God blesses us and gives us gifts and it is our responsibility to pass those on. So that's why I still do what I do because I still think I have things in me that I need to share with others. They haven't been there. It's not me. I just feel like some of these things flow through me, but anyway, um, my workshops grew and I would just sing songs like, um, um, Everybody have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Everybody have a seat on the floor. And all of my songs went to familiar tunes. If you listen to most of my music, it's the same 10 tunes. It's bingo, it's twinkle, twinkle, little starts. If you're happy, you know it. It's short and bread, just simple tunes. And um, I would tell teachers, oh, it just goes to, you know, this tune. And they go, but I can't remember that. Why don't you make a, a tape? See, this is, this tells you how old I am. Kids don't even know what CDs are anymore, but this was back in the tape days. And so um, I was fortunate enough. I got hooked up with a musician in Florida, Mark Dye, and I would take my little tape recorder and I would sing my songs in the tape recorder and then send them to Mark and he would make instrumentals. And then I'd fly down to Tampa and we'd record them. I'd do a CD in, you know, four hours because I just, just would sing. And so the first tape I made, um, it was quite an investment for our family, and it was it was a big deal. And I remember my father was over, and I was sharing my tape with my family. And my father looked at me, and he said, Jean, what are you going to do with those things? And I said, well, Dad, I'm going to sell them at my workshop. And he said, oh, the dirty word he liked to say, honey, nobody's going to buy those things. Well, <laughs> I made one tape, and I never thought I'd make another one. And you know what? People liked it, and then I made some more, and I made some more. And about this time, it was in the 90s, later 90s, and they, they had started pushing academics with young children. Mm. And that's when I started making songs with counting and with letters and sounds and did some of those things. But the interesting thing is my most popular tunes continue to be the fun songs like Going on a Bear Hunt, yep. Tootie Ha, the Banana Dance, those that just the fun songs, you know, that that seems to be the thing. So that's how I got started making uh, my CDs and making music. And one of the great things about the whole iCloud cyber world is that those things are all free to you. Yes. Guys. I mean, I, I don't sell anything. Everything that I have ever done is free now on YouTube or on my blog, my blog, drjeanandfriends.blogspot.com. If you go there, give me your name. I'll send you a free free idea every day. But the best thing is the search engine, whatever you're looking for, put mm -hmm. it in the search engine. <laughs> 
because I've been doing this blog for like 10 years. And so anything that I ever wrote in a book or that I presented in a workshop, it's all on my blog spot now. And I have all sorts of free YouTube videos, videos yeah. where I show transitions, videos where I show uh, songs to start your day, videos where I show finger plays. And, you know, speaking of plain vanilla, I tell you what, kids are eating up my finger plays like they are sugar. I mean, yeah. they are, there is nothing like a finger play, um, you know, and it's, they, they look at their thumbs like, oh, my goodness. What I, I mean, it's just like all of a sudden they're looking at their fingers and talking or doing little finger stories. And nobody does those things anymore. And But when you do a finger play and when you sing, when you're doing all those things, you're multi-sensory learning. Mm -hmm. The only way to the brain is through the senses. And if you're sitting in front of a computer going tap and swipe, you don't get a lot of input in the brain. But when you're doing a finger play and they're talking with you, when you're doing a song and they're singing and dancing with you, you are getting multi-sensory input into the brain. And not only that, you give children a worksheet to do and they never say, can I do it again? Right. And a song or do a finger play or play a game with them. They say, do it again, do it again, do it again. And you've got that repetition built in. And that's what builds mastery. I have to tell you, first, I want to talk about the songs. And I want to talk about the music. You were so instrumental in my, especially early in my short-lived classroom career. I, I taught kindergarten for eight years. You basically supported a lot of my curriculum and i will say gene the what i am not a singer either i have a terrible terrible singing voice but you made me feel safe to sing <laughs> you did because i was like well she's not an opera singer and they love it and it just in fact this morning i was dropping off our oldest is a sophomore in high school and I go, guess what? And she said, what? And I go, I get to interview Dr. Jean today. And she goes, Tootie Tom? And I said, <laughs> yes. So you've just been such a bright light and such joy to so, I mean, me personally, for sure. Like we had your CDs in the car when we would drive around with the kids when they were real little. We'd listen to your Dr. Jean and, you know, the Beaver song and the Bear Hunt and all the good. I mean, and you're so right that sometimes it just is plain vanilla. It doesn't have to be anything super fancy or engaging. Right. And, and you don't have to wear a costume. I think a lot of these people who are doing children's music now, I see them putting on costumes. And yeah, I act silly, but mm -hmm. I act silly as a professional adult. I don't try to act silly, goofy like a clown. And I think there's a difference there, you know, being and the, yourself. And you know what? There's never been a child who's, who's come up to a teacher and said, you can't sing. I mean, they, right. can't, they don't hear that. They just are having fun. And it's like, you know, when people say negative things about nursery rhymes, you can find something bad in every book and yeah. every nursery rhyme. And every, I mean, you can find something wrong with anything. But, you know, children aren't on that negative level. Children just take things for the surface value and the joy that they can get out of it. I completely agree. I was in a in an early childhood classroom a few weeks ago and I sat on the carpet and sang with the kids like I was singing in church and they 
It just feel it made me feel joyful. It brings this kind of sense of relationship building and community. Yes, yes. Like you mentioned. So and I will fully acknowledge that I feel teaching is a beautifully rewarding, you know, job, but it is extremely challenging. It, it is. And I think a lot more challenging than it was when I started because I was like the parent. These are my kids. I'm going to take care of them and love them and do what I need to do. And now I think there are so many outside forces mm-hmm. imposing on the teacher and the schedule and the curriculum that they can't, they feel guilty because they can't meet the needs of the children. I mean, this yeah. is a little five-year-old. Right. What are we doing? You know, and when I was teaching something that I had heard you say before, and you even said it today on this podcast, you know, shut your door and you just do your thing. And now I feel like we are at a point where I shouldn't have to shut my door. You should trust me to know what is best for young children and I should be able to do it. Right. Uh, And and I think, you know, some administrators need to listen to me and they they need to at a faculty meeting, say, what did you do today to make your children happy and to have fun with them? I think that the administrators are on a lot of stress, too, from people above them. And I think we all need to take a step back. And we deserve to spend, you know, 20 or 30 minutes a day just building that classroom community and having fun. It's like people say circle time is a waste of time. Oh, you have no idea. You And some of these people are not early childhood people. You I know. know. They're high school science teachers. They they don't know what it's like to be with little children and and to love them and care for them and meet that whole child and, and build the community. And so I think, you know, teachers, uh, we somewhere along the line, somebody need, needs to say to teachers, okay, you have 15 minutes every morning to start your day in a fun way and 15 minutes every afternoon to end your day in a positive way, kind of like an appetizer and dessert. Mm. Uh, In fact, um, I I read online and I thought this was so beautiful that every teacher should end the day by reading a book with the children, reading a lovely story to the children, because then when they leave, they have something beautiful in their brain. Mm -hmm. You know, if you sing a song and and read a book at the end of the day, you can't do anything better than that for a child. And then they have that to take home with them. So, you know, maybe we need to, push more of those things instead of testing. So a lot of our listeners, Jean, we're, we're talking primarily when you and I are talking our talk, we're both from kindergarten land and that we lived in that world and even elementary land. A lot of our listeners who are listening to this podcast work in birth through five education. And I have heard from colleagues who feel this pressure of, I must prepare them for kindergarten is what they say. What, what do you feel about that? Well, I, I'm not sure who said this, but it's so true. The primary purpose of being in kindergarten is to enjoy being in kindergarten. Mm. Uh, the primary purpose of being a two-year-old is to enjoy being a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, just because they know their colors when they're two doesn't mean you know they're going to be readers, great readers when they're in 12th grade or, you know, be good citizens one day. I, I just, um, it's, it's important not to compare children 
And um, children grow up in different ways at different times. I mean, life is full of surprises. We've <laughs> all taught children that, you know, we thought they were going to be average and then they end up graduating valedictorian from high school and getting yeah. into, you know, University of Nebraska or something. And so, you know, they, they don't grow up in different ways at different times. And that's why those little egos and that sense of self that you are important and you are valuable and you are capable. Those feelings are so important that we instill those seeds in children. Yes. And I feel that many, you know, some of this, we put a lot of, there is trickle down pressure from up above for sure, but some of it is almost self-induced. And I felt that as a classroom teacher, like I put a lot of pressure on myself and forgot what was important, as you mentioned, developing a sense of self, developing learners who have good, you know, social emotional learning skills, self-regulation, executive wow. function. All and, those and I think sometimes teachers are too hard on themselves. Teaching is not a snapshot. Teaching is a video, a year-long video. And there are going to be days that are good days. And you feel so good. You just are so overflowing with happiness inside. And there are days that you're going to feel like, my kids don't like me. My parents don't appreciate me. My administrator, I mean, but, but you have to, you know, be careful not to let one bad day or one bad incident. I mean, you cannot please all parents. And I think sometimes um, they want to put guilt on the teacher and uh, you you can't make everybody happy. You know, that's that's the bottom line. So, and you can only control what you can control. And part of what you are in charge of is your attitude and your, Uh, intentionality with building relationships. So something that I feel you are so strong (laughs) with, Jean, is building relationships that are authentic and genuine by being on the level with the kids, by being silly and enjoying small moments. Can you talk to our listeners about some of the power that comes with being silly and being in the moment? You know what? I I like kids. I like kids better than most of the grownups I know. Well, that's why that's why I'm in at school at least once a week uh, doing free activities and things, which I just, I like kids. And they are honest and they are truthful. And um, I, I just appreciate them so much. And I think, you know, I just want to say one other thing with the parents. Sometimes if they come in and um, turn it around and say, well, what do you want me to do? What, what can I do to make this better? Mm-hmm. Tell me what you want me to do. Well, and they'll probably, well, I don't know. I just wanted you to know about it. Well, okay. You know, I think it's always good if there's a problem, you know, to, to put the issue, you know, what, what do you want me to do about it? You know, mm-hmm. how can we fix this instead of making it a problem or complaint? How can we fix this and make it better? Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think, you know, having empathy for our families as a parent, I, I do believe that when I go to a classroom teacher, even if it's a teacher, I have a strong relationship. I am still thinking in my head, am I doing a good job? Do you Uh think I'm a good mom? Like, it's always that question of, do you like me? And do you like my kids? 
And, you know, that's so important. I, I think just to empower people like um, it, it, you start off your conferences or, you know, just, you know, I appreciate the thought and the care that you have for your child. Um, I tell you what, Joey is so lucky to have you for a parent. And yeah. that's that's a good way to start. And, and the positive, I always tried to look for the positive in the children. And um, I remember uh, I, I just wrote a blog about this. Um, I had a friend who taught with me my first several years and we got together with a little reunion. And she said, Jean, I remember what you would do. You would take the most pitiful little child and you would take their hand and you would write on their hand with a marker. You are wonderful or you are amazing. And she said, why did you do that? And I said, well, because just for once in their life, I wanted them to know that there was somebody that thought they were wonderful and they were amazing. And I tell people now, I'd go to jail now if I wrote on a child's hand, you are wonderful. <laughs> you know, I could say it now and I could cut out a little paper. A hand stick, and sticky note. You are amazing and tape it to their back or something like that. But um, I just, that just that belief that we have in children. Um, it's, you know, what you tell them, that's that's who they're going to become. And we are all readers and we are all friends and we are a classroom family. That positive self-talk. In fact, one mm. of my favorite ways to start the day, I've got some mantras. Um, they say, what are you? And the children repeat, I am kind, I'm smart, I am important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what a positive self-talk um, that they, that you can do to start your day. And I have lots of these ideas on my blogs and um, different Facebook uh, videos. Yeah. That you Something do. that I've been encouraging educators to have and providers to have is their own positive self-talk where I've been doing stuff where I wake up as myself and an adult in the mirror. Yeah. Good morning. I love <laughs> you. You're going to have a good day. Exactly. And it's that whole positive attitude. And fortunately, I'm married to the most positive man in the world. And he would never let me gripe or complain. He just, he just wasn't ever going to listen to it. And in fact, um, there was a family thing one time. And I said, John, is the glass half full or half empty? And he said, it's always overflowing. Oh. And I think it is. And I think we have to remember we live in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. We live in the country that that is amazing and wonderful. And um, and we, we are blessed every day. I think just the attitude of seeing things through a different lens, remembering that, yes, your job as an early childhood educator is very, no one is saying that, that it's not. And we're not trying to have any sort of, you know, glossing over the hard, but remembering those small moments and the power of interactions with kids and taking some of that pressure off of yourself as the caregiver or the educator or whatever term you want to use. Right, right. And, and I think sometimes you just have to laugh. I mean, sometimes you make mistakes and you just have to laugh. And I, I, will, I will tell your listeners this. In the olden days, we had something called a teacher's lounge. Are teachers even allowed breaks and allowed to go to the teacher's lounge anymore? And yes, but not during a break, just lunch. Was, okay. That was therapy for us. I mean, no matter what happened and, you know, we could just leave our class. I could, I could put on a, you know, a story 
record. I mean, we have these big, long playing records and story records. And I could put that on and say, I got to go to the office and, you know, leave the kids and go run to the teacher's lounge. And you won't believe what Jeffrey just did. Or, you know, and we could vent and therapy and there was no judgment at all. And um, sometimes just getting it out that way and then laughing about things. As we went through the school year, we could look back and reflect on things that had happened. And after a while, it becomes more humorous. Yeah. And well, time, and I, go ahead, Jean. I didn't mean to interrupt. At one time, it you know, it, it just seems like it's the end of the world when it happens. And then you get away from it a couple of months away and you can look back and you can laugh. and say, Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that happened. Well, you bring up a good point about how this job that our listeners are doing, no matter what hat you wear or what role you are in, is a job that cannot be done in isolation. Even if you are a family provider who is mainly home and the only adult interacting with kids all day, still having a sense of community, colleagues, um, wanting to collaborate and being okay with laughing about things that are hard is sometimes okay. Not to say that we don't want to try and make change or advocate, but sometimes you just need that person in your corner that you can go to and say, man, this was a really hard day. Listen yeah. to what happened. Yeah. I know. And you know what teachers have the advantage now of, uh, so many free resources on the internet. But I think you have to be careful because there's some people out there who think they are experts and they're telling you things. And those people haven't been in the classroom and yeah. they haven't they haven't done family home daycare and they haven't taught two-year-olds. And so you've, you've got to be very discerning with the information that you get off the internet because it's not always the best information. I totally agree. Same with, um, for example, Pinterest. You can find lots of things on Pinterest that I would not say are developmentally appropriate yeah. practices for young kids, you know, yeah. very yeah. academic based, very kind of rote learning sort of sort of <laughs> interactions yeah. that nah, maybe not our best, maybe not our best ideas. Um, so I like how you said be discerning with who you're listening to. And I don't, I don't believe in paying for anything. So if I'm looking around and somebody is trying to tell, sell something or hook me into being part of this organization, I just move on down because yeah. there's so many, and usually I'll start off free. Uh, I start off with free, da, 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 da. And sometimes people say it's free and then you read on down there and well, no, this app isn't quite what you said it was. And so, yeah, we have to learn to be, um, very critical with what we purchase and what we, you know, think is correct. And there's, you know, like you, I mean, there are some things that I've seen for sensory motor materials and things like that. And I'm like, oh my, you know, how do you have time to do all that? You know, uh -huh. that's one little piece of the puzzle here. We've got lots of pieces of the puzzle that we have to put together in our school day. And so I think, you know, again, that vanilla. Yeah. And, I was, and you don't have to change the sensory motor area every every week or every day. You can leave it there for a month and different children will go back and experience. And that's what that's what's great about open ended materials. You just put um, the measuring cups and the measuring spoons in the water table with a tub of water and you don't have to you don't have to color the water 
or put toys in there. <laughs> you just put, just let them play with it. Just just discover and explore. And I think that's just some of the basic things, even like the wooden blocks. And, you know, mm-hmm. Legos are fine. Yeah, they're great. But there's something to me, to me about wooden blocks. It is a natural material. And I can still see children, they would put, pick up a wooden block and they would just hold it and stroke it, just that yep. soft, natural element. Um, and just put those natural things out there. And you know, I, I look back on some of the people I admire, like Mark Twain or, um, oh, the architect, where is my mind going with that? But, you know, and, th- you know, some of these great people didn't have all of these things that we're trying to give children things now, trying to, so busy trying to give them things we didn't have, we're failing to give them what we did have. And just so the simple mm-hmm. things, and you know what, it's you. You you are the most important thing in the classroom, you and that relationship, and to let them know you care about them and talk to them and listen to them and just love them. Oh, I love everything that you just said. <laughs> I completely agree. So to kind of give a little summary or sum up for our listeners, Dr. Jean Feldman is sharing with you that it is okay to go back to the basics to be vanilla, to remember that you and your relationship that you're forming with the kids and families in your care is what's important. And honestly, just be nice to yourself. It's okay. And and when you said that about simple materials, I mean, put a big piece of paper out on a table and put some crayons out there. And you would be surprised. The kids will just gravitate to that and they'll sit down and they'll start making stuff and they'll talk and they'll interact. And what do you do? I mean, just a piece of paper and basic crayons. It doesn't have to be all this, you know, fancy stuff. Jean, you are such a bright light in our field. You really are. And you're in... You're very much instrumental in many, 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 many educators' lives. And when they hear your voice, it's going to bring a smile to their face. I know that's true. Something that we've been talking about this season on season two of our podcast is we talk about self-care and what that looks like and how as the adult in the classroom or the adult in the setting, we need to make sure to be mindful of taking care of ourselves. Right. what does Dr. Jean do for self? Well, you know what? I th- you know, when we talk about the whole child, social, emotional, physical, intellectual, I think the same thing is true with teachers, um, that you need some physical outlet. I-, I was always a runner. And the only reason I don't play golf or tennis or bridge or anything else, because I I had a job and I was a graduate student. And the only thing I could do was get up at 530 in the morning and run before the day started. Um, I still exercise. I still stretch. I still walk. And, you know, I think so that physical taking care of yourself physically is important. Um, Taking care of yourself intellectually. I'm a reader. I I just love to read. Um, My husband isn't a reader. He likes video games. And for Mm -hmm. some of you, um, it, it might be a video game. And my daughter laughs at me because she said, mother, you thought video games were so bad. But she said, you know, my my high school son doesn't drink or run around. He and his friends play video games. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's, you know, that we, you know, so for some of you intellectually, 
Um, it might be playing video games or it might be, you know, reading or being part of a book club or even again with the Internet. You have so many opportunities to interact and, um, you know, do book clubs or do chat rooms with teachers and, and things like that. So intellectually, physically, intellectually, um, socially, um, mm -hmm. that can find a group and it might be you know just at your school that was so important the uh, the people that I taught with I I love them and they were my friends yeah. well not all of them were my friends but <laughs> you know you find your group it's like an yeah. ice or anything else you find your group and and that's your little posse that you hang out with socially <laughs> and then outside of that too and then um, emotionally and spiritually. I mean, some people do yoga. I, I, I try to do a little Bible study every day. I think, you know, it's, it's your whole person that you have to care about. Oh, I love you are our first guest who's really talking about self-care for the whole person and kind of splitting it out that way. I think that's a really smart way to. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people get skewed, you know, if they get into the gym and the building, the body, and it's all about body, 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 body. But well, let me tell you something sooner or later, one of the body parts isn't going to work. <laughs> you know, um, and then people get into nutrition. It's all about keto. Yeah, keto, keto. Yeah, um, I, I think balance is important. Yeah. It's always important. Balance in the classroom, and balance in your life. That is a real key. Oh, that's a really great way to end this, Dr. Jean. I think you're you're spot on, and balance is something that won't always be perfect. It's about <laughs> just growing and trying to be better each day. So I, I, and, and you know, Winnie the Pooh and um, has it, it, some of his little cartoons are um, when, one of my favorite ones, Piglet says, Oh no, are we at the end? Can't we go back and do it all over again? Oh. I'm 76 and I'd like to go back and do it all over again. Oh. I, don't think it, I don't think it would be as much fun now because it was so much more fun. It was so much more fun. And that's why my heart aches for the teachers. I just, you know, I love you. And I hope your administrators and your parents will just let you have a little bit more fun. Oh, I love that, Jean. And I feel I'm an optimistic person. And I feel that having conversations like this brings awareness to creating more joy in our settings and being more present with our kids. Right. And and I talked before too about little happies. The whole day cannot be happy, but you have to carve a little happy in your classroom and carve a little happy for yourself. Just, just, you know, five or 10 minutes, we're going to have, we're going to, it's, this is going to be the fun part of our day and we're this is happy time or you know in in your life and in your children's life you have to create it it doesn't always just happen you have to plan it uh, well I'm going to take that little tidbit of advice and try and instill it in my day today I'm going to look for five minutes of a little happy even though I have a busy day <laughs> I think that's wonderful thank you again Dr. Thank G you. Enjoy talking to you. Take care. God bless. And um, uh, shut your door. Uh, shut your door. And so thank you, everyone, for spending quality time with us. Please join us again as we chat about future topics to support our Nebraskan providers on their journeys with Step Up Quality. Until next time. Bye-bye.